Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, inviting you once again into our conversation about the practical issues related to ministry leadership. We have a special guest on the podcast today, Dr. Alicia Wong, who is Associate Professor of Women's Ministries and Director of the Women's Programs here at Gateway Seminary. Alicia has been with us for a number of years, and I have actually known her for a number of years even before that, while she worked at the North American Mission Board and other uh, organizations in Southern Baptist Life. So Alicia, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Dr. Orge. Thank you for this opportunity. The reason I invited Alicia to be on the podcast is uh, a few months ago, she made a presentation here at the seminary as a part of our academic convocation series on the role of women in church planting. And it was such a significant presentation that uh, one person remarked afterwards, I hear so much about what, what women can't do in church planting. It was refreshing to hear such a oh. positive presentation about all the things women can do. And so today, we want to talk about the role of women in church planting. And of course, that has some implication more broadly as the role of women in ministry leadership in local churches. But we're going to try to keep it focused today as much as we can on church planting. Now, I have some personal uh, investment in this. I've been married to a woman who's been involved in church planting almost her whole life. Ann and I were discussing recently that we're now helping plant our fifth church during our marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those, I served as the pastor, but the others, we've simply served as supportive members. And Ann has served as a part of the leadership group for several church plants now in various capacities. And so I've watched this up close and personal in my own family with my wife, and then beyond that with my daughter. Uh, My daughter is married to a church planter and in that context has served in almost every leadership role imaginable in their church plant. Uh, including doing some things that she would have never set out to do if she weren't in that church planting context. So I have some personal investment in this. Now, Alicia, let's just get one thing uh, off the table right here at the beginning. In your paper, you make it very clear that you affirm the Baptist faith and message statement that uh, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture, and you do not advocate in your presentation nor in your ministry here at Gateway that women are to be church planting pastors. Is that a that fair is assessment? Absolutely correct, Dr. George. Yeah. yeah. So we we want to just set that aside right here at the beginning. Uh, we're not here today to advocate for that role or for anything related to that. But having set that aside, we now want to spend the rest of our time talking right. about some of the positive ways that women uh, can be involved in church planting. Now, uh, at the beginning of your presentation, one of the distinctions you make, Alicia, is the difference between catalytic church planting and pastoral church planting as sort of two models of how church planting can be done. Why don't you explain both of those, and then we'll talk about how one really uh, helps to facilitate more involvement from women. Right. So, Dr. Orge, I've been involved with five different church plants. Uh, A couple of them succeeded, three of them did not. Um, And... I've worked in both models. And so with the pastoral model, it's really focused on the pastor, equipping the pastor. He's the focus. And that's the tendency for um, a lot of the big churches when they're sending out, um, uh, starting a church plant somewhere else. The catalytic is a little bit different. 
sometimes they start off with just sending out um, like a strategy coordinator or someone who's just getting a field work and they're getting a feel for the city, the area. And they're also bringing in a team. So it's not just the pastor, but it's actually a team of people that go out and it's more catalytic. So you're just kind of getting the ebb and the flow. You start out probably with, you know, um, in the garage, a little Bible study starting out. And not that you couldn't do that with the pastoral role, but the focus then is more on the team and equipping the team to go out and do the different areas and abilities that is part of a church plant. And that doesn't imply that the catalytic model doesn't either have or soon need to emerge a person in a pastoral role. It just means that it, it, that it has a much broader approach and a broader right. leadership-based approach. And quite frankly, often time starts more as a spontaneous movement or a, a, a smaller movement rather than some significant uh, investment of large amounts of resources in a church Correct. planter who's being sent across the country, that kind of thing. Correct. Okay, great. Okay. So with that kind of a, uh, of a conceptual framework, we understand that in the catalytic model particularly, there are all kinds of ways for women to be involved. Now, one of the most obvious ways that I've already mentioned is the wife of a church planter. Right. So let's talk about that just for a moment. What are some of the, what's some of the significance of that role and some of the challenges of that role and maybe some of the ways that women can think about plugging into that role along the way? Okay. So as a church planner's wife, when I did my interview, a lot of them didn't realize just the amount of work that they had to do. And so many times when we are serving in a large church or a bigger church, we just go, well, this is where I'm gifted in. And they kind of hang out in their areas of giftedness. When you're a church planner's wife, it doesn't matter what you're gifted at. You do whatever is needed. Whatever it takes is kind of the model that you take as a church planner's wife. So whether you're gifted in children's ministry or not, that's probably what you're going to be involved with. You know, whether you're in, in, um, involved with women's ministry, that may be what you're, you know, as a secretary, you may function as a secretary. You well, know? my daughter has recently had thrust upon her leading the worship at their church plant. Um, right. They're in a small town, relatively isolated. Their worship leader uh, took a job transfer and moved to another area. And she had that really sort of come back to her because there seriously is no one else. And she said, well, I had a year of piano as a child. That's all the training I've ever had. But like you say, Alicia, whatever it takes, she had to step up and get the job done. That's right. And so th th that's one of the things I think that changes our mentality because sometimes people go in like, I don't want to be a church planner's wife or I don't want to be a pastor's wife. But if the Lord's called them, the Lord's called them together to go and do that ministry. And one of the other challenges that church planner's wife often have is there's no defined roles for them and they don't know what their job description is and they struggle with that. So their identity uh, is in question for them and they don't know what that's like, especially when they go from um, a big church to a smaller area or even location culturally, how to adjust to that. You know, one of the things I appreciate about the North American Mission Board is their intentional emphasis on supporting church planters' yes. wives, providing training for them, providing a network of support. Here at Gateway, we've also done some similar things, not just for church planters' wives, but they're certainly applicable. We have a women's mentoring network that takes place uh, not only through webinars, but also through phone call mentoring and other support right. that we provide. 
So if you're a church planter's wife and you're not taking advantage of these resources offered by either Gateway or North American Mission Board, let me strongly encourage you to do so because the support is out there. You need it. And especially as you're in this uh, whatever it takes uh, phase of season or phase of life, you're going to need all the support that you can get. So we encourage you to take advantage of that. Now, when you think about women serving in church planting beyond that one role of church planter's wife, uh, it's important to think about it from a biblical point of view. So one of the things you did in your presentation here at the seminary was outline some of the roles of women in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. So why don't you talk about that a little bit uh, by describing something about the role of women in the Old Testament and how they were involved in ministry. Right. Dr. Orch, so many times... um Excuse me. I'm often asked about roles of women in the church, you know, whether it's for church planting or just in the church. And oftentimes when I teach my class, my plug, shameless, unshameless um, plug for my class, where I go from Genesis to Revelation talking about women, I really hang out in the Old Testament area. And I look at so many of the examples that we see from Deborah to, um, you know, all the prophet Miriam, we look at the wives of David. So we look at key passages in the Old Testament, and we see constantly this example of women in their posture and their position of how they serve the Lord. That's two good words, posture and position. So talk about those a little bit more. Right. The posture is in the way that they approach ministry. So if you look at Deborah, she was very different as a judge from all the other judges. She was a very different prophetess from all the different prophets. So even in the way that she carries herself, you know, she was in between two significant places and people came to her. So that was her position, her posture, right? And her position that she held, we never saw them. uh, For example, you never saw a priestess as one of the emphasis, right? Because that would be in the tabernacle and things like that. So there's nothing wrong with women leading. But I think that whole role of pastoral that will be reflected in the New Testament. So I always want to look at the whole of scripture when we're looking at a position and a posture. If you look at that, remembering that and from the Old Testament, we carry that to the New Testament as well. Okay. So position and posture of women in the Old Testament, you can look at a lot of different examples as you outlined in the presentation here at the seminary, but you can study through those examples and see how God has used women uh, in various ways throughout the Old Testament and consistently throughout the Old Testament to make a contribution to his kingdom, which sort of sets us up for looking at the women at women's roles in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus was very affirming of women. You, you, you point out a number of ways that Jesus interacted with women, evangelized them, called them to discipleship, healed them, uh, delivered them from demons, taught them. Uh, all of these things uh, are ways that Jesus I- I interacted with and elevated women in his ministry and in his work. Uh, but not only did Jesus do this, but Paul did too. Right. Why don't you talk about that a bit? Because Paul had a lot of meaningful partnerships with women who assisted him in ministry. Right. And sometimes pe- um, people give Paul a bad name with regards to women. But honestly, I mean, he worked alongside uh, Priscilla. You know, he worked alongside Lydia, who's one of the first uh, church uh, starters that, you know, built, had a home church, you know, and also the first European convert. Um, so there's a number of women, you know, we can see Lois, Eunice with Timothy. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on. I You're mean, leaving out two of my favorites, Yodia and Syntyche in Philippians 4. Paul called them fellow laborers in the gospel and lauded them for their hard work. 
and then told them to get their conflict worked out. And I've often wondered uh, what those two women think about having been uh, put into the Bible for 2,000 years about that conflict. But let's move past that today and focus instead on the fact that Paul called them his co-laborers, his, right. his workers in the gospel. So all of these women worked with Paul. And so you have to keep that in mind when you read the writings of Paul about what he said about women. Right. Uh, he's been, like you said, perceived somewhat negatively and uh, considered to be sort of a ne- uh, narrow or hard line about these issues. But actually, he was a person who modeled working with women in lots of different ways and in lots of different contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you mentioned three prominent roles. Uh, discussed for women, and and you use Phoebe and Lydia and Priscilla as, as sort of examples of that. So why don't you talk about those three prominent roles as modeled by these three prominent women? Right. Well, Phoebe was a servant, mm-hmm. right? And um, exactly, F- F- Romans sixteen two calls her a servant of the church, right? That's right. Good. And so she served the Lord, and so many times we forget and we look at roles, and we are like, oh, pastor role is the biggest one. That's the one we need to aspire to, but yet. That's not the only role that is there in Scripture, right? That being a servant is also just as important. So I think Phoebe is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Lydia, okay? I mean, she started the first house church, you know, and won people to the Lord. Yeah, it's interesting that she was the... First European convert. I've often joked about this. You know, Paul saw the Macedonian man, but when he got there, it was a woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> he led right. her to faith in Christ. And you also mentioned that, uh, you know, she was probably a wealthy woman. She had a home, and she opened that up as a place for Christians to gather. So while Phoebe models servanthood, uh, Lydia really models evangelism and facilitating church growth and expansion. So go ahead. Right. And then, of course, People tend to focus on Priscilla, you know, who uh, was very knowledgeable and was able to teach and even help those who were in leadership. Mm -hmm. But notice here, too, with Priscilla, it is, again, going back to that posture and position. She wasn't lording over anyone. You know, she knew what she knew. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she pulled him aside. See, again, that posture and the position that she's taking. Yeah. You know. Knowing very well that she's a leader. Yeah, exactly. So you, in summary, you, you, you said that, you know, in the Old Testament, women were leaders of other women. They were uh, advisors to men in leadership. They were helpers to husbands and other men in leadership. They had this posture and position that you've described expressed in various ways. And in the New Testament, similar things. Service, facilitator, teacher, Counsel or consultant or counselor or counsel giver, I guess would be a better way to describe. And so, this is a great pattern of understanding how God has used women in both the Old and New Testament in significant ways to make real ministry impact in the lives of His uh, His people. Another issue that you talk about uh, that you talked about here in your presentation was that women have spiritual gifts. And that right. it's important to recognize those gifts. So why don't you talk just a bit about uh, the giftedness that women have to serve in the church and what that looks like or what that means in service? Right. And so I think that the exercise of those spiritual gifts can be used throughout church. I think the emphasis of many times is people said, well, it only counts if I am using these gifts for men and women. It, I'm like, your gift is still giftedness. It doesn't matter if it's over men, over women, over children. It still has an impact. As a matter of fact, a lot of our churches, majority are women, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, or, or female at least, right, you right, know. Right. And so don't discount your giftedness. We're not saying, especially in the Southern Baptist, Baptist faith and message, you know, in the Southern Baptist circle, that that does not take away your giftedness. Right, right. You know, the Bible says that spiritual gifts are distributed to all believers, and that certainly includes women. And so what you're saying is if women have a gift of leadership or a gift of administration or a gift of mercy or a gift of hospitality, that whatever they have, they should be using it in the church to make a difference, recognizing that God has gifted them for service. Right. Right. right, Good, good. Yeah. Well, now let's shift our uh, attention. We've talked about so far... Uh, the role of women in ministry, in church planting particularly. Uh, and we've identified one primary way, of course, that women do this, and that's being the wife of a church planter. But even beyond that, we've talked about uh, two different models of church planting, mm-hmm. a catalytic model where people come together in more of a team environment where there's certainly a place for women. And of course, this pastoral leadership model, which is uh, also effective and can be used, mm-hmm. but tends to focus more on just the single individual church planter as the leader. So within those broad categories, uh, we've also outlined how in both Old and New Testament, women served in various capacities, made a significant contribution, were able to add to the work of the church or the work of the kingdom in significant ways. And we see that modeled in all these different examples that we've talked about, plus a couple of dozen more we don't have time to get into today. Right Now I want to shift our attention, though, and talk about some more specific roles that women can have in church planting. We've already talked about one, which, of course, is a church planter's wife, that uh, uh, person who takes on the task of doing whatever it takes, signs up, makes, uh, ma- makes the sacrifice, and helps to get the work done. But now let's talk about another role, which you identify as a church planting strategist. Mm-hmm. Now, a church planting strategist is someone who works to build a team, to bring together the people necessary. It, it, in some ways, it's kind of an administrative type right. approach to church planting. Right. Can you talk more about that and maybe some examples of women that you've worked with who've had this kind of approach? Right. And so um, one person that I, when I did the interview was Linda Burquist, and she's a, a church planter strategist. And so, and, and also we have um, our late Dr. Lisa Hoff was that as well, you know, overseas. And so uh, what they do is they actually go and do all the prep work, you right. know, because a pastor then can focus specifically on pastoring. And so they'll go in and they'll scout out the city or the place uh, wherever they're planning a church. They will do a lot of the um ethnographic surveys, things like that. Uh, Build the relationships, find the meeting place. Right, person of peace. Start gathering the resources, all of these things. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they will do all of that, and then they will go and seek out a pastor then who Mm -hmm. will come in and do that work. I think I was thinking about some of the things I've seen women do in this capacity, things like organizing backyard Bible clubs, creating vacation Bible schools, uh, developing networks uh, of uh, prayer support, finding other resources and places to meet, all of the catalytic work that has to go on right. prior to that church planter arriving. I know when I was a church planter, when I arrived in Oregon, uh, there was a person before me who had done a significant amount of the work that we've just described. Now, this particular person was a man, but it didn't have to be a man, could have just as easily been a woman, and she would have been effective in doing all the work that was needed to, in a sense, lay the groundwork, plow the field, 
get things ready for the church planter to come. So there is a significant role here available uh, for women in church planting leadership in this kind of strategic capacity of helping to facilitate, make happen this church plant when it finally does launch. Another uh, category that you identified are church planting team members. And these are people who can serve in a wide variety of, uh, of, of, of capacities. In fact, one of the things I liked best about your presentation was this magnificent chart that you created, which has all kinds of uh, related titles and roles and functions in church planting. Uh, we've already talked about wife and strategist or catalyst. Uh, here, here's some others. Uh, you talked about being a women's ministry leader, a children's ministry coordinator, a hospitality coordinator, event planner, an organizer of the welcome or the greeters, a Bible study leader, secretary or administrative or ministry assistant, prayer coordinator, Sunday school teacher, music ministry leader, worship leader, instrumentalist, or some other kind of uh, technology support person in the worship area. Uh, publicity coordinator, website manager, produ- uh, p- materials production supervisor. Right. All of these roles are all things that could be filled by men or women in church planting. Right, right. Now, as you think about all of these, how did you come up with this list? Are, uh, are these people that you've met, people that you've known? Did this come out of the surveying you've done of the women that you were talking with in church planting? Where did you come up with such a comprehensive list? Dr. Orge, it's all of the above. First of all, I've done a lot of these, having <laughs> served in the five church plants that I did. I hear that, you know? yeah. Um, but also, as I was interviewing 30 women across the U.S. in different areas, um, whether it's the north, the south, or the east, or the west— um, they came up with a lot of this, and there was probably even a longer list than this, you know, because when you're in church planning, you know this, you have to be very creative. And so that allows that creativity without ever touching the pastoral role or being a pastor in that sure, church, sure. you know? Mm-hmm. So it opens up a lot of opportunities for women to serve in the giftedness that they have without ever stepping on that. Yeah. Well, I just was so impressed Mm -hmm. by this list. And that's just a list of the roles that you were able to come up with that you talked with all of these women about and that they were able to surface. But then you have a whole nother list of what you called functions in church plants. Uh, let, Let me go through some of these. Teach women, teach children, mentor or disciple other women and girls, provide administrative support, Share the gospel in the community. This is such a vital part of church planting, sharing the gospel. And even in American culture, it's sometimes difficult for men to share the gospel with women or women to share the gospel with men. So men need to be sharing the gospel with men primarily and men and women. And women need to be sharing the gospel with women primarily, although they can share with men or women. But mainly, we need women being just as aggressive in sharing the gospel as we do anyone else in our churches. So that's a very vital role that you identified. And then you had others listed like door-to-door evangelism. I, I remember, Alicia, when I was planting the church in Oregon, that early on we did this massive door hanger project where we went to several thousand homes and invited people to our Christmas right. Eve service. And I remember that uh, a woman in our church, her name was Sheila, 
made a significant commitment to going out and doing mm-hmm. uh, doing this project with us. And so, uh, you know, several of us were meeting, and we were working on this pretty much every day, all day. We were sending out th- handing out thousands of these things. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the money to mail them. We were just trying to get the word out mm-hmm. any way we could. And I remember that we were out on a, a, a kind of a colder, icier day in December, and um, I was looking across the street where Sheila was going door-to-door on one side of the street, and I was going door-to-door on the other side of the street, and I looked over, and she slipped and fell. Oh. And she immediately hopped up and said, I'm okay. And and I remember standing there thinking, Lord, I hope I got it right that we're supposed to be doing this project mm. because... People are really pouring their heart and soul into this. And I just was so humbled by how hard she was working in that moment, out doing door-to-door work on a cold, rainy day in Portland, Oregon, in the middle of December, trying to attract uh, people who might have some attention and relationship to our church and want to come to our Christmas Eve service. By the way, uh, that Christmas Eve service was, at that point, the largest service our church ever had. Mm. It was a breakthrough service for us. It was the first time we attracted large numbers of unchurched lost people to something that we did and really propelled us forward. And it was because men and women, but a lot of women, uh, went door-to-door handing out those flyers, trying to make a difference and get people to come to our church. I would expect that... In your years of church planting and your personal involvement, you have some similar stories of sharing the gospel and going out doing door-to-door work and all of that kind of thing, too. Any of those come to mind? Yeah, I was just thinking about us uh, when we were doing a church plant here locally with a couple of professors here, and I remember taking my foster daughter with me, mm-hmm. and it was her first time. First of all, she's never been exposed to you know the Lord and a church, and we went and did the same door-to-door, and I would remember her running up and the this little four, cute four-year-old girl doing door-to-door, and she was the attention getter. Yeah, and that gave us so many opportunities just to pray for the community and pray over the community, you know. And so opportunities like this, you know, comes a lot when we're doing church planting. Yeah, women can be involved in not only sharing the gospel, door-to-door evangelism, but let's talk about some more on your list: community outreach. Conducting demographic research and surveys. You know, this is a really an important part of church planting is figuring out what's the community like. And right. women can do this research and provide the information to the church and to the leadership about the needs of a community, the demographic makeup of a community, the ethnicity of a community, the languages spoken, all these kinds of things. Then you had uh, other things like networking with ministry partners, coordinating with local pastors. I I know that um, my daughter and son-in-law, as a part of their church plant, have had multiple partners from other states that have helped right. them. And my daughter has helped maintain those relationships and keep those connections going and facilitated that networking with ministry partners. Um, here's some other practical things you list. Hosting community groups or hosting uh, you know, home groups or those kinds of a- activities, right. prayer walking, backyard Bible clubs and day camps. I remember uh, when we were planting our church in the early days, it, we came up to the first Halloween and my wife, Anne, uh, along with some other women, organized a significant Halloween experience for our kids of our church and their friends and to invite their friends we had it in our garage in our house. Oh, wow. We cleaned out our double car garage. We, we built uh, games and activities and 
uh, pinatas and dunking booths and other right. kinds of things. And the women of our church built this, put it together, uh, helped their children understand the importance of inviting their friends and turned it into a significant outreach event uh, under their direction and by their leading. And so that's like a backyard Bible club or a day camp or something like that. Mm-hmm. Here's some others you listed. Teach, uh, ESL, craft programs, after-school programs, hosting events like Christmas parties, cookouts, campouts, other kinds of events, helping with media and sound, leading, uh, uh, creating PowerPoint, managing technology, and then social media, oh man, update, uh, upkeeping, uh, or keeping up with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, other social media aspects, including church websites. All of these kinds of things can be done by women as a part of a church planting team. And then one more you mentioned is finances. You know, in a lot of homes, while husbands and wives may make mutual decisions about finances, uh, in a lot of homes, the wives do manage the finances. They right. keep up with all the record keeping and the taxes and all the issues about budgeting and those kinds of things. And then person like you as a single a professional, you've done this for yourself all your life. You understand how to do it. Right. So why wouldn't someone like that be invited to be the financial leader or the financial manager of a right. church plant as well? Right. Yeah. And that's what I served. Actually, I was a treasurer for our church plant. Too. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> thought that. So I thought I'd bring that out that you did that as well. So Alicia, what I'm so impressed about is the comprehensive nature of how you created this list. I know you interviewed about 30 women who are involved in church planting and you've been involved in church planting yourself. Um, As you look over this list, what are some of the impressions of some of the ways that you've seen women just make a difference in some of these capacities or how you've seen them used in really significant or strategic ways? Mm -hmm. Do any of those kind of stories come to mind? Yeah. The biggest one is really discipleship of women. Mm, Yes. There are there are so many avenues that opens up, whether you're married with kids. So just being at the playground, playing with kids, that really draws other people because A, you're from their neighborhood, they trust you, and you bring in the children and the mom, at least, starting off with that. Um, just whether you're in college town. I mean, I remember a college girl that was one of my students that ended up being a church planter team member. And what she did was she was discipling about an average of 20 girls. A week. College girls, yeah. College mm-hmm. girls a week, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge part of the church. And so that was the significant. But there are things that the pastor just does not have time to do, or and the not, church planter doesn't have time to and, do. And not even, not only doesn't have time to do, may not even be the best person to do exactly. it if he had the time. And needs to understand that by cultivating and developing women as a part of his leadership structure, all of these kinds of things that you mentioned right. here today, all of these things are potential for them to take on a significant leadership and make a vital contribution. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Alicia. You know, you, uh, you, you're you a, a refreshing uh, example to us here at Gateway in so many ways of how, what, of how much women can do in ministry leadership and the kind of impact they can make. You know, we started the podcast by saying that this podcast was about women in church planting. And we don't advocate for women in senior pastoral roles here at Gateway. We believe the Baptist faith and message statement is adequate, and we try to uh, work through that and with that in every way. But we also don't find it restrictive. As I've often said, the, the statement says the office of pastors limited to men is qualified by Scripture, which means all the rest of the functional ministries of a church need to be done by both men and women. And you've showed us that by Amen. creating this tremendous list of all the ways that women can be involved. Now, 
I want to say to those of you who are men who are involved in church planting, grasp the significance of facilitating women coming into leadership on your team, taking on significant responsibility, being entrusted with the roles and, and, uh, and work that we've described here today, and flourishing in those positions. Right. As Alicia said, it's posture and position. It's putting yourself in a right posture of servanthood and a right position of appropriate service and then losing yourself as a part of the team in serving yes. and giving yourself and devoting yourself to advancing the work of a church plant. That's right. You concluded your presentation here at the seminary with Matthew 9, 37, 38. Alicia, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Right. And perhaps one of the reasons that we're not having more laborers as we're not realizing that there are laborers around us in the form of so many women who can do so many things and we need to facilitate their significant involvement in church planting. Amen, Dr. Orge. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for the contribution you're making here at Gateway. Thank, thank you. you for such a good academic presentation about the role of women in church planting. And thank you for letting us uh, excerpt from that presentation today and make it a more practical statement of how women can actually be involved in this ministry. Thank you for your contribution thank to our you. school. And thank you for your contribution to God's kingdom. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast today. We appreciate the work you're doing, especially those of you that are involved in church planting. Yes. If you are, take what you've heard today, put it into practice as you lead on. <laughs>